how do I, how do I know that uh, that he's actually going to be sympathetic when I go to him? How do I know when I when I confess my sins that he's going to that he's not just going to like shoo me away, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I don't have time for. I, I'm God. I'm perfect. You're not. You know, take a hike. So that's why we need a savior who's both divine yeah. and human. Welcome to the Guilt, Grace, Gratitude podcast featuring Peter Bell and Nick Fulweiler. This is a show about Christian doctrine for everyone from the historic Reformed tradition delivered by two friends in an unscripted dialogue. Join us as we discuss how the finished work of Jesus Christ changes everything. Real quick before we begin this episode, listen to the end for updates on our Santa Ana Reformed Church Plant efforts and our upcoming Bible study on the Book of Judges. Hello, everyone. Yet once again, it's another day of fresh grace and mercy. This is the Guilt, Grace, Gratitude podcast, where we bridge the gap to Reformed Christian theology for your listening pleasure. Today is a book club episode. We have Danny Hyde on. He's going to be talking about his book published by Reformation Heritage Books, it's God with us, knowing the mystery of who God is. So we're going to jump right into that conversation here in a moment. But before we do that, just as a few reminders on our show notes, there is a link to Reformation Heritage Books. Go ahead and click that. You can purchase this book for yourself. This is actually the second edition, just so you know. We'll talk about that here in a moment. Uh, there's also a link to the Society of Reformed Podcasters. We are in a group of other podcasts that are like-minded on Reformed Doctrine. So if you enjoy our show, you most likely will enjoy some of these other shows in that group. There's also a local Church Finder link that you can click and you can type in your zip code and find the closest Nate Park Church to you. So whether it's an OPC, URC, and some of the PCA and some of the others, you can find the closest Nate Park Church to you to call home and make a visit. So we will jump into this episode with Pastor Hyde. How are you doing, Pastor Hyde? Uh, go, going well. Thanks for having me. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was. <laughs> I'm glad he. I'm glad he started this because I had the hardest time. I don't know if it's if like I don't know who Reformation Heritage marketing person is, but God to us and God with us came out within like two months of each other okay. I know the whole that, time yeah. i was like which one is this is god is this god with us or god to us yeah well my book came out first so you know right. this is second edition so yeah my, right. hopefully mine stands a little higher <laughs> <laughs> that's right yep yep um so even with, is, with this, the god, is, uh the, the god to us is not like the covenant theology book it's a covenant theology book. Yeah. It's yeah. Covenant, yeah. yeah so, Dr. Stephen I, mean, Myers. I just saw that. Yeah. I just saw it pop up. I haven't read it. I mean, I, I mean, I just saw it pop up. So yeah, I was like, Oh, that sounds like my book, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So this is God with us, not yep. God to us. We had God to yep. us on like three months ago <clears throat> and we'll do a, a oh, giveaway cool. for that, for that, for that soon. Nice. But so Prepositions those who matter, are people, prepositions matter. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> people don't get confused. Like which book is this? This is God with us. Not God to us. Now, yep. real quick, did I say God with us or God? No, to you us? said God yeah. with us. Yep. You okay. Yeah. Thank goodness. Good Thank job. goodness. Good job. <laughs> that's that's why I'm glad you started this and I did it because I, I probably would have messed up and said God to us. Uh, you're being too hard on yourself. 
but yeah, we, I think we have that God to us book as yep. well. So yep. yeah, I just had it right in front of me. So that was the only thing is I, I was reading it right in front of me. So that probably helped, but <laughs> yeah, I hope so. uh, yeah, Danny, b- before we jump in with some of the content questions and, and more of the substance of Jesus, uh, how about we jump right in? Why is this the second edition? Why did you need to make a second edition? What was the first edition? The yeah, outstanding man. success uh, of his first edition. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, like I'm such a best-selling author that, they, you know, <laughs> they, they had they, they had to strike with the armor's hot, you know, like 15 years later because I sold my thousand copies or whatever. So <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, you reminded me before we went on air here that uh, it published in 2006, I think is what you said. 2007 oh 2007 okay so yeah 2007 uh and apparently you know they sold out so it was out of print for a bit <laughs> at one point because i would get messages i mean we're not talking about like an avalanche of messages but you know from time to time a person would message me and say hey your book's only available like on kindle or whatever huh. um or used you know is it going to come out again i'm like you know i don't know that's it's above my pay grade bro i'm just trying to just trying to do my job here um <laughs> yeah so yeah, uh, apparently it sold out, which is a cool thing. Um, like, it, but you know, again, it's not like it sold out like a million copies or anything. Um, so yeah, they asked me if I wanted to uh, make any quick edits, you know, any any, uh, any any changes, whatnot, you know, for a second edition. I was like, sure, you know, let me just browse the browse it again because, you know, when you read your own stuff so many times, like at some point you miss something, and you mm. know, but then over over a span of, of years, you haven't read something that you wrote, and you kind of look at it again, you're like, oh, you know. I probably would have said it differently that time, or I probably would have added this verse or so. Yeah. They gave me a chance to make some edits. I don't think I made too many edits, but I, you know, kind of cleaned it up here and there. I think I added a few little paragraphs here and there, just kind of explain things a little better. Um, yeah. And then it was off, off to the races. Um, I, I think it got kind of slowed down because of the, the shutdown and whatever, but, um, yeah, here it is at, at uh, second edition in all of its glory. Uh, it's got a new cover. The new cover looks cool. Um, yeah, it is cool. It's, yeah, it's a lot better I mean, than the first nicer, one. nicer, you know, it looks cooler, it looks nicer. So, you know, uh, it, you know, it'll fit your stocking for Christmas if you celebrate. <laughs> that's, that's right. Sorry, it's a sorry, perfect stocking yeah. stuffer. Yeah. Sorry to the Presbyterians out there, the curmudgeonly Presbyterians who don't want to celebrate Christmas, but, you know, the rest <laughs> of the world does. So, um, yeah, throw it in your stocking. Yep. Yep. Yeah. yeah it's, yeah, it's, that's a good, that's a good point. But even, even the name <clears throat> God with us, I'm assuming, I'm assuming, is, because I know there's there's sometimes there's a battle that goes on between authors and publishers on their title. So was this, yep. was this a title that you chose or like had influence behind? Yeah, I don't think any publishers ever said that my title was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's always hard to come up with a good title, but uh, yeah, that God with us encapsulates what the book's about. It's about uh, the incarnation. It's about the Son huh. of God entering uh, our humanity, right? Jesus uh, being born. And so, uh, yeah, it came out the first time it came out, it was around the Advent season. So here it is mm. now Advent season again, even mm-hmm. though the book was reissued in the summer, but here we are, um, Advent. And so it's the time of the year that we rem- remember the, uh, the first, but also the second coming. Mm. The, uh, so the, the, the coming of the, uh, son of God, the arrival of the son of God. Um, but yeah, so God with us, that's, that's really what the book's about, right? It's about Jesus, but son of God, Jesus, uh, entering the world. What, what the subtitle, knowing the mystery of who Jesus is, yep. what is, um, can you explain what might be the mystery? Yeah. What's the mystery behind him? Yeah. Uh, well, you got to buy the book. Find out, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Good, good question. Um, so, you know, 
Mysterium, right? Uh, uh, a mystery um, can be something that's hidden. Um, that's un- something that's unknown, right? Like that's how we take the word mystery, an unknown thing. Uh, mystery could also be like in that Pauline sense. Uh, it's, it's a Greek sense um, where Paul in Ephesians 3 talks about the mystery of the gospel, right? It was hidden before, but now it's revealed. So um, kind of has like more of a historical redemptive uh, aspect to it. So, you know, I, I'm thinking of mystery in that first sense in terms of like, um, I mean, how is it that we as human beings can't even conceive of the eternal uh immortal invisible um immutable um sovereign right uh god himself the the second person of the holy trinity uh entering human existence so trying to uh, explain the real the real the realization that this is a great mystery um but it's revealed and so we can know we can know and so trying to make sense of it then right take taking the mystery out of it um, understanding a little bit more of what it means uh, that Jesus is God in the first place. What does that mean? Uh, but then also that he's man. And so talking about his humanity, but then sort of, how, and, and then how those, how those, uh, you know, in his person, the, the two natures, right? So you have to use all this language to understand that. Yeah. So that the person of Christ but is the idea has two natures, a divine and a human nature, right? So um, how do those two natures relate? Um, how do they not relate? Like what has the church said over its millennia about that? What are, what are some of the pitfalls, some of the errors, heresies even, um, that people have been led down into, right? Ancient heresies, but also that continue to rear, pop up their head uh, even today, like trying to, realize, trying, trying to understand that mysterious uh you know relationship so-called hypostatic union right uh, the the u- unity of the person uh the two natures in the one person hmm. yeah so with <clears throat> with with this dual nature so i'm, I'm sure so some of us, some of those who are listening to this are either new to the reformed faith or don't know much about the reformed faith so i think your average person comes into the two natures and says well he's 100 percent god and 100 percent man right isn't he like hundred percent of one thing and hundred percent of another thing, but why, why is that maybe not necessarily the best language to use for Christ's two natures? Yeah. Well, you know, it's sort of like the Trinity, right? Um, when you ask the average Christian, you know, well, what's the Trinity? It's, they always resort to sort of a bad math equate problem, right? <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Um, you know, well, three equals one and one equals three. Um, so God is more than just a math problem. Um, and, uh, the, the incarnation of the son of God in human flesh is more than just, you know, sort of mathematical uh, proportions. So, yeah, sure. If we want to say, you know, yeah, 100% man, 100% God, uh, that's true. Um, more classical language is that he's perfect God, perfect man, mm. uh, fully God, fully man. Um, you know, again, it's not, it's, not, it's not a math thing, right? It's not, a, it's not an equation. Um, I'm terrible at math. So you, have to, you know, <laughs> if I make my, my wife's a mathematician, she's the professor right. of you know, teaching she math. Teaches, so, teachers how yeah. to be math teachers. Yeah, exactly. And she's not mastered yet how to teach me how to, how to, how to understand math. So, um, <laughs> um, yeah, so, you know, it's, uh, we just yesterday and because yesterday was the first Sunday of Advent, uh, in our, in our service, our liturgy, 
we recited the second part of the Athanasian Creed, mm. where it, it it's, talks about um, the Son of God is, um, uh, uh, in terms of his divine nature, he's equal to the Father. In terms of his human nature, he's less than the Father. Um, he's perfect God, perfect man. Um, so that language of, you know, what, what it means to be God, he is. What it means to be man after the incarnation, he is. Uh, in the in the in that sense, so uh, yeah, so you know, the average person out there wants to know who Jesus is. Well, we have to understand that he is both divine and human, um, and it's not that he's like, it's not that he's like two kids in like a big potato sack doing a relay race, <laughs> yeah. right? Yep. You know, there's like two people inside of a bag that are fighting each other, you know, or kind of jockeying for position, or you know, trying to stretch out their legs or space, whatever. Um, he, he, th those two natures, divine and human natures are united perfectly, uh, in his person and, um, you know, but they're not mingled, right. They're not, they're not, uh, they're not complete. They're not divided. Right. So it's not like he's two persons. He's one person. Uh, and that one person is not a mixture, you know, like you'd blend up, you know, two different things into something else. So. Um, that's where that mystery comes in, right? We have to, we we make a confession of the unity and the and the two-ness and the oneness, um, but we, there's a, only a certain amount we can say mm. about that, and then we leave the rest of it to the mysterious, you know, working of what that is. Yeah, Nick, you're there you go. Yeah, there you go. Oh, Nick doesn't have his headphone on. <laughs> well, last time, last headset. time we, we had. Yeah, last time we did this, we had an interview. He was in a car, so at least I feel safer for him this time. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, maybe we should keep all this audio in. Just yeah. <laughs> no, this is le le legit. Can hear, like, can you hear me? Oh yeah, oh, there, there he is. is. There okay. you go. I don't know what I hit on my computer. What happened? Oh, yeah, what happened my... to your like? You had your little. Uh, you had you had your headset on. You know what happened? The uh, battery died. Well, oh, uh, yeah, go. they they yeah. yeah, it just got drained. As as you were talking, it kept saying battery low, and I was like, just oh, there you the go. Interview. And then it computed. But either way, uh, my question was, why does why did Jesus have to be fully man, and uh, why did he have to be fully God? Why 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 did he have to become incarnate? Yeah, um, I mean, there's lots of you know, super, super deep, uh, theological, uh, discussions about, you know, that language of needing, right. Or necessity. Um, but in simple, the simplest way would be possible to, to, to understand that is, um, on the one hand, uh, the Bible says that only God can save, right? So only God can save a sinner from his or her sins. And so who, the savior is God. And so, you know, the Messiah, the coming savior of not just the Jews, but also the world is God has to be God. And so there's that necessity because only God can save. Um, and then, you know, in terms of the, the, that, that humanity part of it, well, um, uh, to use like the concepts of uh, like the Heidelberg catechism, for example, it has a couple of questions and answers about this um, uh, questions and answers uh, like 15 to 18. And uh, you know, it, it asks, well, why, why did he have to be a man, a, a true man? Um, and and in the gist of it is that um, angels can't take on uh, like 
angels didn't like it's not that like the angels sinned in their own in their own way. Uh, we're not angels, right? We have different nature, and so uh, you know, no angel can take upon itself, you know, our sins. Um, not even the animal sacrifices, right? Because it's not the animal that 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 sinned. It was us in the Old Testament, right? Who sinned, and so the animal was a representation. Um, so the sacrifice for our sins has to be of a of similar nature. Um, this is like what Hebrews talks about, mm-hmm. you know, in, in Hebrews, first couple of chapters of Hebrews about uh, the importance uh, and this, the necessity of the incarnation of the Savior being uh, of the same nature, the same blood um, as us, so that uh, we know that our sins as humans um, have been offered up to God, a perfect, but yet a, that's why it's not, not just any man, right? Like any yeah. human being. So angels can't take upon, you know, our sins, no, no animal sacrifices and not even just you know, like some random guy or some random girl, or even, even a, even a really good one. Right. Um, uh, has to, the, the sacrifice, the mediator has to be, um, uh, true, not, not just, not just truly human being, but perfect human being. Um, because a sinner can't take away the take away sins. So there's a lot of stuff going on there, but the, the gist of it is, is that, that, uh, the son of God had to become a man to be a substitute and a representation in the place of human beings, yeah. um, to die as a perfect sacrifice once and for all to put away sins. Yeah. And I think knowing that he's our mediator in flesh and bone and God, he's the only one that could connect, you know, we could be in him versus in Adam. We're born in Adam. Right. So either way uh, we're either in flesh and bone through Adam or flesh and bone through the mediator, Jesus and, and Jesus is fully God too. Yeah. And the, yeah. And the first, right. Adam, that first man, he sinned. And so ever since then, like that sinfulness, that sin, that sin nature, as we call it, original sin has, has passed down to every other human being um, on the face of the planet. So no other human being can, you know, proverbially go back into the garden and stand where Adam stood and, and, you know, and actually obey, you know? So even if it was feasible to do that, mm. you would still be a sinner, right? Going back into the garden and you know you're a sinner, so you're not you 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 can't counteract what G or what 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 Adam did. So there needs to be uh, another who you know goes goes back into the garden, so to speak, um, to to stand where Adam stood and to hear the law and to obey the law on behalf of sinners like us, right? And so. Um, that so that we know that we have one that we are you know united to and identified with who took upon himself our nature um, but yet did not sin yeah and i think if you can speak to how this maybe mitigates against two poles in the continuum i think a lot of evangelicals might fall into either like some divinized for form of jesus who doesn't really have like man-like qualities and just yeah divine thing or like a purely human moral example like, hey let's just follow this guy because he has great faith and god yeah let's have the same faith that he has so how how do you talk to both of those two poles in terms of who jesus yeah. actually is yeah i mean just as a practical thing um you know as a person who's aware of his sins um i mean what what good is 
a good example to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I'm not going to follow that perfectly, you know, like, yeah. like, I, like, yeah, we, we all have like heroes and people that we aspire to be like, but there's a reason why we aspire to be like them because we're not them, right? We're not like them, um, you know, and we always fall short. So, um, yeah, a savior, Jesus, a, a Jesus who's not divine, who is, you know, even a perfect man. Uh, who loved God and loved his neighbor, you know, and we should want to be like him. I mean, the New Testament tells us to, to walk in the foot of Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, and to suffer like him and to be to, and to love like him. It does. But, um, but it says more than that. Um, so if he's just a human being, even a perfect human being, a truly perfect human being, like what is that going to do for me, right? And, 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 if it, and if he's not divine, he can't save. Um, he can, he can lead us to, you know, in theory, he could lead us as a good example to God who saves God, the God who saves, but all along the path of following his example, you know, moving from sort of, you know, earth to heaven, so to speak, moving from me to God, uh, all along that path, man, I'm going to fall off. I'm going to fall off that straight and narrow path. Mm -hmm. Like I'm going to trip, I'm going to fall. Uh, I'm going to look at, I'm going to look at like, you know, to use the sort of the pilgrim's progress, like the vanity fair, like I'm going to get stuck in vanity fair, dude. I don't want to come out. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not going to follow the example all the way to the, to, to, uh, to heaven. Yep. So uh, a human, a human example is like, is of no use to us. Right. As uh, you know, in terms of salvation. Mm-hmm. Um, so pure moralism is just, it doesn't meet needs. It doesn't meet the me that we have as sinners. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a and a savior who comes, a, tru- a truly divine savior. On the other hand, a truly divine savior who comes, um, but that divine, he, the Son of God, you know, comes and whether you know that divine nature is mixed in with the human nature or the divine nature uh, overwhelms the human nature, however it's described. Um, so he can save because because he's God, but if he doesn't take upon himself, my nature, this is what Hebrews is all about. Like, how do I know that I have a sympathetic and merciful and, and, and tender priest who can stand between God and me? Yeah. If, if Jesus is only like one nature as divine, um, how do I, how do I know that, uh, that he's actually going to be sympathetic when I go to him? How do I know when I, when I confess my sins that he's going to, that he's not just going to like shoo me away. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't have time for, I, I'm God. I'm perfect. You're not, you know, take a hike. So that's why we need a savior. Who's both divine yeah. and human. Yeah. So, and, there you have it. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. and knowing, knowing God became flesh and that's who Jesus is. How can you explain to the audience why he had to live out an adult life, you know, and why he had to live a life of uh, ministry versus just being born as an infant and sacrificed as a baby. Yeah. And why isn't Advent just enough? Like just being born into the world. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's a great question. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You know, I I don't, I don't think, I I don't think I actually addressed that in the book. Um, uh, That's the third uh, edition. Yeah. Third (laughs) edition. Um, uh, it was, uh, I'm pretty sure it's Irenaeus, who's an early church father, um, who, who, who talks about Jesus life 
from birth to death, like the whole cycle of life that he lived. Um, he, he, he did, he, he lived, you know, that, that whole cycle of life from, from infant, from birth, you know, conception to birth, infancy, you know, toddler, right. Uh, adolescent adult to identify with us as human beings, to identify with all human beings uh, in all the stages of life. Um, you know, why is it that he lived a certain amount of years and, and not less or more, you know, well, I guess we'll ask God that um, someday when we see him face to face, but um, he, he, he comes and he lives a life of obedience. That's, that's the point hmm. is that he lives a life of obedience uh, from early to late years um obeying God. Right. Mm -hmm. And he's gone through all the, all the kind of experiences that we've gone through. Um, he can sympathize with us and our weaknesses. Um, he, uh, he, he's able to, uh, uh, to be tempted as we are, uh, in every point, right. Yet without sin. So I guess that's how that's, that's, yeah. you know, how Hebrews would answer it. And that's how I would answer it. So why? Because so that he could be tempted in every single point except for sin. Mm. yeah and so even so in the, in the appendix the append, appendicide i don't know how you say that appendices appendix that's right appendices. appendices yeah um so in the appendices you talk about some of the confessions and catechism so kind of your average evangelical walking around there who maybe just relies on their their church website for this is what we believe about christ and yep. he's perfect man perfect god so what what's what's the need for these ecumenical creeds these confessions kind of these things outside the scripture to tell us who jesus is yeah. Um, I mean, first of all, the church has dealt with these questions, right? Uh, hundreds of years, thousands of years ago, we should listen to them. You know, they, they've dealt with great, great uh, struggles, great problems, um, their wisdom, their insight, um, you know, their experience uh, dealing with these things in a very focused way. Um, you know, super helpful for us. Um, and also because the same, you know, we don't want to have the same, like we may not have the same terms, uh, for, for these heresies and errors today, but the same kinds of stuff are always like popping up. Right. Yeah. Um, in terms of, you know, just the moral example of Jesus, that, that would be one version of this ancient heresy or a, or a, or a savior who, um, sort of like a Superman, you know, um, I give the illustration in a book at the very beginning of the book, uh, uh, the phrase all God and a bod, you know? Um, <laughs> yeah, I think I, I think I gave that example at the beginning of the book Don't I, uh, I think I was in Huntington beach or somewhere in, in mm -hmm. orange County doing a March for Jesus thing back when I was in college and yep. there's a big, big sign, all God and a bod. Well, it's like, yeah, I guess in one sense, it's a pretty quippy little way of saying it but on the other hand like what does that mean all god in a bod right yeah. it sort of so sounds like it sounds like there's this like you know package the body the human the human the humanity of jesus is just a package for god right uh, uh -huh. um so it's not the best way of of stating yeah. it so you know we just got to be aware there's always like wrong ways of stating things and there's and there's some of them are you know are, are a little less you know bad than others but some you know that they end up leading us down the path of not knowing correctly who jesus is so that's why we need creeds confessions they, they help us right they yeah. they steer us to know what the church has believed about about jesus uh since the beginning and you know we want to stand together with our brothers and sisters throughout the history of the church yeah there's no need to continually as if you're 
planting or whatever, a new church or part of a church, you don't have to make up your own creed. You don't have to make up your own kind of statement of faith. There's, there's been one that's yep. been passed down from, mm-hmm. from history, from history past that we can, we yep. can look at and they've dealt with the same stuff that we dealt with. We can look to them for the language that we need today. Yep. Um, how, what is the significance of Jesus being born to the Virgin Mary? And I assume maybe that part of that answer could be related to chapter seven in your book, the Christ of the Quran versus the Christ of the Bible. Um, yeah, I mean, basically, uh, you know, the, the old Testament, we would say prophesize a, a, a birth, um, from at, at a minimum, because I know there's translational ish, issues, um, with Isaiah seven fourteen. Mm-hmm. uh, you know, and what, what does it mean that he was born of, of this virgin, right? I mean, a, a young marriageable age woman mm-hmm. in the new Testament, says that the fulfillment, and I think this is the better reading the new Testament, the fulfillment is greater than the prophecy itself. Right. Yeah. And the expectation, um, that he's a, that she's a virgin, you know, not just a young woman, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. a virgin, like this is a, mm-hmm. this is a miraculous birth. Mm-hmm. Um, so why is it important? Well, theologically speaking it's important because, uh, uh, every human being, again, every, every human being has that, that stain of sin from, from Adam passed down. So if Jesus is born of, natural means a man and a woman then he'll have a human nature that's also stained by sin so the virgin birth is so important because the conception by the power of the holy spirit and not conception by you know sperm and egg is a is a is a way for god to preserve uh and protect and to sanctify his human nature right Mm -hmm. from our sins uh and then why is that important in turn you know in contrast comparison say to islam uh, they also believe in a virgin birth, but it, it's a miracle, but it's not, it's not God being conceived and yeah. united the divine nature. That's not the second person of the Trinity being united to a human nature, right? Uh, to, yep. Uh, yep. you know, in, in the one person, uh, it's a miraculous birth of a human being period. End of story. Um, whereas for us, it's no, this is the second person, the Holy Trinity entering into human existence in this miraculous, powerful way, uh, to preserve him from sin so that he could be the sinless substitute, you know, for miserable wretches like you and me. Yep. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, so my last question, I, I just thought it was interesting looking through the table of contents and reading through a little bit of it is in a book about Jesus, maybe it's obvious for some, maybe not for others. Why talk about the Quran? Why talk about Islam? Why add that chapter kind of seemingly randomly at the end of this book? <laughs> because I had to, you know, I, I, I had to get to a certain amount of pages to make the book uh, <laughs> fine together. I don't know. Um, yeah. It's just, it's one of those things that I thought a lot about um, that going back to my college years when uh, I was, I was uh, disillusioned, evangelical Pentecostal trying to uh, find, you know, something that was substantive and that led me to the path of various religious uh, explorations. And one of them was Islam. Mm. Uh, And so, you know, reading the Quran myself and uh, discussing it with uh, some clerics and reading some commentaries on the Quran and that kind of stuff. Um, Trying to, uh, trying to sort of connect the dots, like, okay, 
I know I I know that there are these two competing claims about Jesus. Who's telling the truth, right? And so, you know, coming coming back to what scripture says, the word of God says in the old new testaments, in contrast to the Quran. Um, yeah, I thought it was a good, a good sort of mm. the book was a good segue into that topic as apologetics. Like, here's one way in which this is important to know who Jesus truly is, the mystery of who Jesus is. Yeah. Um, in terms of our 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 context in the world as Christians, um, and more and more, you know, uh as as Christians here in North America and you know, me in SoCal. Yeah, yeah. To be to be clear, for those who were listening, like that was a weird question or a weird word. It it wasn't necessarily because I thought it was strange, but I think somebody who may not know your background or know the competing claims are like, what on earth is the Quran doing in a book about Jesus? Yeah. I think it's helpful context for people to to come into this book with. Yeah, you know, yeah. And we're like more and more we're gonna have neighbors, you know, who aren't Christians and not just you know secular Americans, but we're gonna have more and more and more and more we're gonna have neighbors from uh, who, who immigrate from all over the world. Um, yeah. You know, one of my daughter's classmates is an Af- uh, an Afghani refugee huh. who just came to the, came to America, right, a couple of months ago. So, yeah. you know, we're, we're going to meet neighbors and have friends and our kids are going to be in school with, with people from different cultures and they have different religious beliefs. And, you know, it's a way to help us understand them, mm. yeah. uh, what they believe. Here's what we believe. Yeah. And at, at the end of the day, you know, um, you know, that, 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 uh, coexist bumper sticker, it's just not true. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we have, we have competing claims. Only one can be true. Right. Uh, in this, in this, in, 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 in this issue, uh, either Jesus is God or is not right. Mm-hmm. It's a black and white issue. It's, it's a yeah. yes or no answer. He was definitely a man. Uh, so yeah, either he's God or he's yeah. not. That's the only question we have so, to ask. You know, yeah. It's one of those things where it's like, Hey, you know, we want to understand our neighbors and we want to be friendly and, uh, but we also have to deal with with, with uh, competing claims uh, on a theological level. And, you know, here's, hey, I understand what you say. Here's what I say. I understand what I'm saying. At the end of the day, we got to make a decision, you know, yep. who's telling the truth or not. Yep, so. totally. And I think defining terms, too, because if you're, if you're speaking to um, someone from the Islamic faith or Mormon and they talk about Jesus, yep. you can, you're going to have yep. to say, well, Who's Jesus? To yeah, what do you yeah. mean by man? What do you mean by God? What yeah. all that yeah. stuff? Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, you're, yeah, you're referring to the same, you know, the word is referring to the same, you know, idea. Um, but are you are you actually discussing the same person? <laughs> yeah, you yeah. know, yep. if I can say if I can, if I can put it that way, you know, like you know, we're we're talking about the same, we're like we're in, we're in the same we're in the same like arena, but we're not discussing the same like you know person that we're that in that arena you know like we're mm-hmm. is jesus of islam is not the same jesus as the bible yeah you know totally. or mormonism or jehovah's witnesses or oneness pentecostals or you know whatever it might be like yep. we're not talking about we're actually not discussing the same thing right mm-hmm. you know we're using the same same words yep mm-hmm. totally cool. so you're you're a basketball guy and you know we're getting towards the the end of the game and there's probably a few seconds on the clock and i only have i have like three <laughs> questions oh geez <laughs> to hit you with so <laughs> we're running out we're running out of time maybe but i want you to drain these okay <laughs> slam dunk them or whatever you want to say um, oh my gosh <laughs> so john 14 6 why is that true i think that's very that's a good thing to illustrate to um to the world right now because so many people think um there's a lot of ways into heaven there's yep. uh just be a good person 
Jesus might be just one of many ways. Why is John 14, 6, where he is the only way into heaven significant? Um, be, I mean, Quick besides, question. The fact that, <laughs> besides the fact that Jesus said it. Um, yep. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> yeah, it's significant. Um, you know, people, I mean, like you, you guys know, uh, people are like, more and more people don't talk to themselves as like good people, but like, well, you know, I'm spiritual. Um, you know, like I'm exploring my spiritual side too, you know, that, that kind of language. Like, well, what does that mean? You know, what, what does that mean? And so here's what Jesus says. He says that we have, we got to come to God, the God who really exists, um, who's both just and merciful. We, we can only come to that God through, through him, through Jesus. Well, how? Well, he's God. First of all, takes it you know the son of god can lead us to god the father uh and then also as incarnate god he is a perfect man who's lived a perfect life and he can lead sinners like us to god so that's why it's important uh next quick question um knowing jesus is god why did he have to get baptized yeah good good question um that's always one of those fun passages when you get to it mm-hmm. uh, in the gospel. Um, he tells, he tells John, cause John's like, what are you doing, man? Like I, uh, I should be baptized by you. Right. Cause you're, he's the one who's greater, right. Who's sandal strap. John's not worthy to even untie stoop down and untie. And Jesus says, you know, it's to fulfill all righteousness. And so I take that to be um, uh, Jesus is identifying with sinners because all these sinners are going out and being baptized, confessing their sins. It's interesting that they're all confessing their sins, being baptized. And there's Jesus who is coming to be baptized. Well, does that mean he's a sinner? Uh, no, he's not a sinner, but he's identifying with sinners. Right. And so he's putting himself on the side of uh, identifying with sinners. And he's going to now, he is going to be the righteous one on behalf of those sinners. Who's going to lead them to God. So. Okay. And then what, what must we know about Jesus to be saved? And it kind of partly relates to, I had a conversation with a non-believer about a week ago, and he had a very popular question about like, there's people from remote parts of the world that may never get the chance to have the gospel explained to them. How do they need to know? I guess, I don't know if minimal is the right word, but the basics of knowing about Jesus to be saved. Well, I mean, the Bible says very simply that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. So, um, you know, what does a person need to know? I mean, there's a, there's a lot to know, but what they need to know is that they, they are a sinner before God and God has made a way for sinners like us to come to him, which is through Jesus. Um, you know, and obviously depends on the questions you might be asked or how, how, you know, knowledgeable a person is, uh, how old they are, you know, uh, their mental capacity and so forth. There's like, there's a lot of things to explain, like the book I try to explain in the book. Um, but you know, that's the simple answer is that we, we need to know that we are sinners and that Jesus saves mm-hmm. sinners. And if you call upon his name, you'll be saved. And, you know, we pray that you will come to understand that better and more deeply. Hmm. 
Yeah, I was, I was going to say, whenever, whenever Nick says, I have three quick questions, like, oh man, they they may be quick, but the answers, answers are pretty big. (laughs) They're important. They're so important though. That's why I want to make sure you knew. Those are are like, those are like three threes in a row for each question. (laughs) Three three, three pointers, man. And, and, uh, they're from deep though, from deep, not from from high school range. From way deep, buzzer beaters from deep. Yeah. No, so I like good. it. And I think, like you said at the at the beginning, this is a great, I think, stocking stuff. And I, I mean, I'm I'm assuming too. You you wrote this for a lay audience. By the, by the way, we, not, we got a cat alert right behind your I left do. shoulder. Cat <laughs> that's, alert, cat alert. That's, that's whiskey doing some stuff he probably shouldn't be doing. <laughs> um, but this, I'm assuming you probably wrote this as we as this kind of the as we end this for for not like a super theologically inclined audience who are looking for like the deepest, thickest doctrine of Christ or for I'm 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 hoping this is something you can just hand to somebody, maybe with a little bit of knowledge of the faith, but yep. somebody who's like, hey, I just want to learn more about Jesus. Yep, I think so. That, that, that was my intention was, um, you know, to, to explain big truths, but to do it in a way that hopefully is simple, understandable, lots of illustrations, some stories, you know, but lots of biblical exposition and yep. trying to just unpack, you know, the the this great mysterious truth that, beyond our capacity, but yet God gives us enough to know. Yeah. So yeah, hopefully people out there, yeah, people out there, you know, this season of the year want to know what it means to, uh, to trust in the Lord and uh, to come to him and to know what it means that he was born. This is a great book to, to help them understand that, you know, he's both Mm -hmm. divine and human. He's God and man. Yeah. And it it looks, it looks great in the stocking. So if you guys are looking for stocking (laughs) stuffers, it it looks, it looks great. The color scheme is great. The art is nice and it's small. It fits, fits in the palm of your hand because i know some of these books like you, you need like a backpack you need, you need a back brace <laughs> to pick up some of these books but this is this is a this is a good size and it's 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 yep. uh, hopefully it's a good gift and a perfectly timed gift for advent there you paperback. go paperback too so you can roll it and stuff it in the stuff that's right yeah you can roll it yeah <laughs> roll it ran around it make sure yeah it uh it fits it fits easily so yeah i encourage those who are listening to to get this for friends or family co-workers whoever it might be who who want to learn a little bit more about Jesus, but don't really know where to start. So it's, it's a good, good starting point book for, for them. So yeah, yeah, thanks. Thanks for coming on, talking about your book and it's a joy to have you. And um, I know I'll see you in person in two weeks, uh, but yeah, it's, it's been great to have you again. This is our third time. Good stuff. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. And uh, yeah, have a great, everybody out there have a great Advent season learning about the Lord. Yep. Hey guys, we hope you enjoyed that episode of our podcast, Guilt, Grace, Gratitude. And we, as we've said before, we are bridging the gap to Reformed Christian theology for your listening pleasure. So we would like to make sure this is enjoyed by others around the world. And how to best do that is rate and review us on iTunes. Yeah, and you after you rate a review or instead of rate and review or doing everything all in once, retweeting us on Twitter, liking us on Twitter, liking us on Instagram, following us on both of those platforms, because that actually puts in front of people's physical face, this podcast, these guests, and most importantly, the gospel, the doctrines uh, that these guests are bringing in front of you guys. So please do that. It helps get in front of more people. Amen. And hopefully you guys are part of a local church and you're tithing and, uh, After that, after tithing, if you have any means left over, please consider donating to us to make sure our bridge 
is well paved and maintained and strong and sturdy as again we bridge the gap to reform christian <laughs> theology exactly yeah and you guys can find that link on anchor our official anchor website if you just go on um, our social media links it'll it'll link you to that website it's also at the bottom of these this podcast show notes if you're on this podcast this specific episode scroll all the way to the bottom of that show notes and you guys will find a link for this for three different options of donating so we hope you guys can help us bridge the gap pay for shipping get nicer stuff all for the focus of spreading the gospel further yep all for the kingdom of god thanks so much guys we'll see you guys next time are you looking for reformed church in the orange county santa Ana area We'll be starting our study through the book of Judges, as well as diving into Reverend Danny Hyde's Welcome to Reform Church beginning weekly on December 2nd, which is a Thursday at 6.30 p.m. at 4th Street Market in downtown Santa Ana. If you'd like updates and information on joining our core group, email us at santaanareformed at gmail.com or head to either Guilt Grace Pod or Santa Ana URC on Twitter or find the link in the show notes to learn more.